I'm actually not walking to my car. Now I'm walking to my car. This would make a good opening sound effect for the show, your walk to the car every night. Okay, I'm going to drop a shovel. <laughs> that sounded staged. Why? I said it was staged. <laughs> it was much more organic the night before when you knocked over the broom unintentionally. Hello, and welcome to Effectively Wild, the Baseball Prospectus daily podcast. Today is August 2nd, and we are recording our dozenth show together. I'm Sam Miller, and I'm joined by an elegant, acerbic, all-around man of letters who has presided with a certain relish over what he has declared to be the end of American civilization. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> well, you never said my name. Ben Lindbergh, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing very well. Do you mind that I've stolen your introduction from a Gore Vidal obituary? No, I mean, the man did just pass away, and I am, uh, I am his, his literary equivalent. So. I should have probably practiced once or twice beforehand. Um, uh, welcome. Uh, how are you doing tonight? Very well. Good. Do you have a topic for discussion? Yeah, I suppose you could say that. All right. Uh, I want to talk about players who turn down trades to contenders. Ooh, players who turn down trades to contenders. And that will um, actually go nicely with uh, my topic, which is you, Darvish. All right. Uh... Who goes first? Why don't you? Okay. So there were some players who turned down trades to contenders. Um, Alfonso Soriano reportedly rejected a trade to the Giants, uh, or at least... Was, it, was it, there a... Right, yeah, right. It wasn't exactly rejected a trade so much as there wasn't a trade because he said he didn't want to go there, um, I believe. Uh, he wanted to be traded to the Dodgers, and that didn't happen. Victorino happened, so... He didn't go anywhere. And then Carlos Lee, uh, who earlier had decided not to go to the Angels um, and went to the Marlins instead, then decided not to go to the Yankees and to stay with the Marlins. So, uh, you know, reading the responses to these things, there's sort of a, a healthy mix of good for him. He's looking out for himself. I don't blame him. Uh, and, man, this guy must like losing he doesn't care about winning um that's not a good attitude to show i i can maybe guess where you come down on this debate but where do you come down on this debate um uh wow <laughs> i guess i'm trying not to be too predictable and now that you've told me that you think you know where i'm coming from I think that, um, I guess, you know, to be honest, I don't have a ton of sympathy. Uh, I mean, the, basically, as I understand it, a lot of no-trade clauses are basically a uh, contract leverage um, issue. They uh, exist so that if the player does get traded uh, toward the end of their contract, they have a certain amount of leverage to renegotiate if they have options, that sort of a thing. And in that sense, I think that it's great that players would use the powers that they have within their contract to get themselves a better life. I have uh, no qualms with players getting uh, every dime that's coming to them. I generally find it kind of odd. I mean, I don't blame them. I, I don't want to seem like I'm judging them or anything like that, but I find it a little bit odd when a player will uh, turn down a trade uh, 
that's basically you know two months um it's not very polite of their life it's it just doesn't seem to me like that big a burden and i i mean i guess it i mean it must be and like i said i don't really mind them if if it really bothers them they have every right to do it i'm surprised that they that so many players would see it as a burden um they move around a lot as it is i mean carlos lee has lived in florida for like 45 minutes and like you say he would have gone to a contender um, he doesn't um you know he spends half of his life on the road anyway uh, I mean, I guess in, in Soriano's case, he's still signed forever. So wherever he went, he would be for a while. That's true. Whereas yeah. Lee is, is going to be a free agent, yeah. Yeah, and there are always issues that come up. Derek Lee rejected a trade to the Angels when I was covering the Angels, and I we never heard this definitively, but the, the, the rumor was that basically his, I believe, daughter has medical needs and she had a doctor in I think Chicago where they were at the time that they didn't want to leave and so there's probably all sorts of details like that that uh, are either really important in the person's life or seem really important to them in in their life and so I don't begrudge them that um, but I don't know like the Carlos Lee one kind of baffles me and uh, the Dempster one kind of surprised me it always kind of surprised me to be honest it worked out well for Dempster in that he got to go to a contender that I guess he wanted to go to more um but in Lee's case I mean I guess it's it's uh I guess it's probably a there's a tax component to it um going from Florida to New York he would probably lose out on some money I think um and then more importantly I guess he would probably lose some playing time uh since he would be going to the Yankees, who have a bunch of first-base DH types. Um, and that would have been the case with the Angels also. And as a guy who's not having the greatest season and is about to be a free agent, maybe he wants the most played appearances he can get to make a case that someone should, should sign him. Uh, so from a personal interest standpoint, I, I can understand it, just aside, even aside from the all the logistical hassles of of changing teams and i don't know that he would be really uprooting anyone since he just got there um, as you said but uh don't you wish that there was a way that that this didn't have to come up for the player every time i mean don't you wish there was a way that that the teams could clear this with them before it ever got to the media because it, it does seem kind of annoying to everybody involved mm-hmm. yeah including including the people who are supposed to be going the other way who have been uh you know, traded, and now they have to slink back to the team that didn't want them. Yeah, well, we sort of talked about that when we when we talked about the dumpster to to Atlanta rumors and and whether that would change anything secrecy wise. Um, but I I don't know I I don't really have any problem with this. I mean, I never blame a player who goes after the money because I, I'm guessing the majority of people who criticize the player for doing that would do the same thing. Um, so I guess it's just a matter of whether they've been hypocritical about it at any point, whether they've had the, the usual, the standard boilerplate athlete quote about wanting to play for a winner and that's all I care about, just want to win, etc. Um, once you turn down a trade to a contender, I would think that that sort of, uh, cliche would, would ring pretty hollow if you tried it after that. I don't know though. I think there's a difference between wanting to, um, you know, play for a winner in the sense that you parachute into a team that has already been winning, mm-hmm. and the idea of wanting to win. You know, that 
that going to a winner that is just about to to get their ring uh, isn't quite the same accomplishment as uh, being with a team from spring training on. Yeah, that's true. Although you never really hear anyone who who does do that and ends up winning a ring say, "Man, I didn't even contribute that much. I was barely well, here." Well, Jose Guillen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, anyway, it's uh, it's one of those things that will probably get some negative feedback from from certain people if you do it who don't want to think that players would be motivated by playing time or or financial concerns but only about where they can win um i actually don't know if lee is a guy who's been uh, how many playoff teams has he been and i'll have to look as you talk about your topic but uh i don't know i don't i don't particularly blame them but it does sort of uh, make some of the, I think it makes some of the, the platitudes you hear um, a little more hollow, possibly. But I don't blame anyone. So you, Darvish, today pitched very poorly. Uh, he pitched very well, actually, and then he pitched very poorly uh, in the same in the same breath, basically. Um, he, uh, I'm going to steal a statistic that came across the the wire from ESPN, which is that uh, when he's facing a team he's already played this year, his ERA is now 6.45 in nine starts. This is a narrative about you, Darvish, that I've been hearing since uh, early on in the season, in fact, almost immediately after he started facing teams mm-hmm. for a second time. And it seems to me that um, that people have been burying you, Darvish, uh, after almost every bad start he's made uh, since. Well, in fact, I think I did a BP book event after his second or third start and uh he had walked i think five guys for the second start in a row and and there were people there who wanted to bury him um and he's having an okay year not a great year um i don't have a real coherent thought about what i want to talk about with you darvish i guess uh there are kind of two little things one is he now has an era plus of about uh i think 103 it'll be and I just wonder, uh, I want to get your opinion of when a playoff starter stops, in your mind, being good enough to be a playoff starter. Uh, we saw teams trying to upgrade their rotations this week because they didn't like their fourth starter. And um, they wanted to do them with some pitchers who themselves aren't particularly good and who, if they had already had that pitcher, they might not have thought that guy was a worthy playoff starter like Joe Blanton and um, so I wanted to just do a quick little quiz for you and figure out where we think the line is for uh, a acceptable playoff starter so I'm gonna I'm gonna name a name and then you tell me yes or no <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> all right um, and just assume good health and and assume just that you're gen- not not based on what he's done in the last week but your general sense about and that. we're talking any any game in a playoff series yeah I mean mm-hmm. yeah uh, yeah, I mean, would you be comfortable with this guy in your playoff rotation? Mm-hmm. All right, Mark Burley. Yes. Okay, Mark Burley has a 109 ERA plus over the past three years. So I think that anything above 109, we're safe. Okay. Yeah. So um, Aaron Harang. Uh, uh, I mean, comfortable. Um, I would certainly want to do better than Aaron Harang. Uh, if possible, and I guess maybe it depends on where Aaron Herring is would be would be pitching also as kind of a fly ball guy. Um, 
Ben, it's a 10-minute podcast. <laughs> Sorry. These, these, these decisions about postseason starters are only made in, in snap judgment. Um, I, I guess I would say no. Okay. Uh, he's a 92 ERA+. plus. So we're going to say the line is between 92 and 109. Um, uh, Derek Holland. Yeah. Okay. He's a 104, so we're between 92 and 104. We're narrowing it down. Um, Maybe we should just say... <laughs> We should just say a league average starter would be. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Okay. Um, Jason Vargas. Uh, this is when I want to talk about where Jason Vargas is again, but I guess uh, no. Okay, he's 98. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, Gavin Floyd. No. And uh, John Danks. John Danks, healthy John Danks. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay, so Floyd is 100 and Danks is 101. Man, so that my, works out nicely. My, my ERA plus detector is perfectly calibrated. <laughs> it is. So we've got Darvish at 103 or 104. So we are concluding that he is an acceptable fourth starter for a playoff bound team, uh, which is what he looks to be now that the Rangers have added Dempster. And um, so I guess the Rangers don't have to worry because they've got four guys who fit our qualification. These are all ERA pluses over the previous three seasons, by the way. Yeah. Uh, except for Darvish. I guess so, it could worry a little bit about the fact that we're even having that discussion about you, Darvish. Because... Yeah, I mean, I think they would like him to be their ace and to be much better than he is. I think, uh, real quick about Darvish, um, those nine starts that ESPN cited uh, where he has that bad ERA, it's not all that bad. He's been a little bit wilder than normal. He has um, walked 36 batters in those nine starts, which is four per outing. He's walked a little bit more than three per outing in his other 11 starts. His strikeout rate is about the same. His home run rate is on, only very slightly um, worse. And really, I think that I'm not totally dismissing the idea, but um, obviously... Darvish is more likely to have faced a team a second time later in the season than earlier in the season, uh, naturally. And if you look at Darvish's season, it really breaks down um, not really just by the first time you've seen him and the second time you've seen a team, but really by month. And his stats have been fairly steady by month across the board, except that in April he left 84% of runners on base. In May, he stranded 72%. In June, he stranded 69%. And in July, he stranded 62%. And while Darvish has been way too wild to be considered a top pitcher this year, I don't think we've actually seen a great deal of difference between April and July. And I think the Rangers still have a pretty reasonable um, pitcher in their rotation. Yeah, and that's that's always kind of the narrative with, with Japanese pitchers, or often it is, that that uh, a lot of their success initially relies on deception, um, which is not the case with Darvish. He's not really one of those guys who has a herky-jerky motion. Um, with him, it's, uh, I guess, more about his approach and, and the nibbling and batters letting balls go um, and not swinging at them when they would have earlier. Uh, but there, RJ did an article earlier this year where he looked at uh, Japanese pitchers as they face teams uh, again, or face batters in, in more and more plate appearances and couldn't really find any any sign that there was a decline in effectiveness. Um, 
and I mean, I sort of, I expect Darvish to be better uh, from now on than he has been to this point. Well, once again, it becomes clear by the end of the show that we should have had RJ on instead of ourselves. Um, Ben, it was nice talking to you. This was fun, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow. Yes, you will.